0: Welcome to The Greenhouse Effect. Our hope is that this podcast would be like a greenhouse to help you get unstuck and grow in your full potential because life ought to be fully lived. Hey everybody, this is your host Steve Perkins and today's guest is Casey Graham and it's going to be a really fun one. I think you guys will enjoy this. Uh, he's the co-founder and CEO of Gravy and you know if the name doesn't interest you enough, like just stick around. We'll dive into it. Uh, but really they're a leader in kind of failed payment recovery for businesses and customer retention strategies. So we'll talk a bit about that and also Casey's journey to where he is now. Um, he's also known for founding the rocket company, which was an Inc 5,000 organization, and they really helped church leaders scale their financial leadership and fundraising. Uh, so Casey, we're excited to have you. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, bro.
0: Yeah. Um, I think what's really fun is you guys, I think have a clear mission and you live it and it's evident in your culture and even just the people in your company I've interacted with. So, um, yeah, I mean, what are you excited about this year? You guys seem to have a lot going on.
1: Yeah, what I'm excited about is uh, having such a, a, a clear uh, path in business. Um, you know, I've been, I've been, I've, I've had to have my own, pay my own paycheck as a business owner for uh, it's going on 11 years. Um, you know, there's, we've done three uh, three different ventures in that time period of starting, growing, and selling, and um, each time it's just been different, and this time the thing that's so exciting is a clear path toward the future and learning um, about how to not be like how to how to hone in the entrepreneurial spirit um, in such a way that it's not uh, a disaster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so before we dive into kind of our key topic about um, customer retention and really creating a culture where where customers feel cared for, what? What's the story and the path of how you got here and how Gravy started?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. And, and one of my dreams uh, had always been as an entrepreneur to start, grow, and sell an organization. And uh, we were fortunate enough to do that at, at the Rocket Company, which was a previous company that, uh, that I was able to be a part of founding. And, uh, you know, I guess one of the dreams, the entrepreneurial dreams, and you see all these people's Instagrams about like how their life is so great and how they're so successful. And they started this company, they grew it, they sold it. You read Instagram sales for a billion dollars, you know, all this stuff. And I I don't know. I just got caught up in thinking that's what you did. I I didn't, I didn't, it's just what I wanted to do. Uh And we did it. And I unintentionally, I thought that my life would get better if I just got a truckload of money and just said, Hey, if somebody dumps millions of dollars into my lap, then my life is going to be better. And uh, quite the opposite um, happened is that um, after we sold the company, um, I didn't realize that though you gain something tangible in money and bank accounts, right? Um, And what that can get you in your life. What I didn't realize is there's intangibles that you lose. And I didn't realize how intrinsically tied to those and my self-worth was tied to those, um, you know, three things that I found out. Number one is um, I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to not have any structure of time? You can do whatever you want to do. You can go wherever you want to go. And what I found out is that's pretty cool for a couple weeks. <laughs> and then you, then you realize that most of the world uh, goes to work and your friends can't go play golf and just living, you know, your kids go to school and life kind of goes on. And I'm sitting in a Starbucks by myself going, well, this, is, this isn't this is that fun. right?" <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, so structure of time. Um, I took that for granted that like having something to do, having somewhere to be, having people to show up with, uh, working on something together. So that was number one. Number two was uh, losing uh, the the community of the team that you build. When you build a culture and you build a team, essentially you're letting the people in that you love and you right. want to be around and different things like that. And you know, I didn't really realize, but in building the rocket company, a lot of my self worth and value came from that and came from having team members that loved being a part of the thing. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was propping me up emotionally. That was propping me up as a person. That was giving me a lot of my self uh, esteem and self worth. And I wouldn't have said that and I didn't even know it, but that that was happening. So when it went away, I was, I felt empty and, and huge void. And the third thing that I lost was uh, mission and purpose. And, you know, I could have told you, well, I've got the, you know, the purpose of my life is to leave a legacy or some big thing, but like, no, like, like, what, what, what am I doing? Like, what's the purpose of my life? Like, the deepest questions. And so, those three things being lost uh, sent me into about a fourteen month tailspin emotionally. I I call it an emotional hell. Um, you know, it was a desert. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Steve Jobs calls his uh, when he went through that was when he got kicked out of Apple was his desert season, um, and it was a winter in my life. You know, it, it wasn't this beautiful time. And uh, man, it, it it was sad to go home and go you know, when your wife looks at you and goes like, who are you? Like, what is wrong with you? And What's wrong with us? And, and, and started into counseling and then, you know, um, going to, um, realize that, um, gosh, uh, I am not okay that people aren't okay that I sold this company. And so I'm codependent upon people liking me. And I just went through this very dark, dark season, um, of my life and it, it was very lonely, and uh, a lot of people look back and it's one, it's, it's, it's a five minute segment of this podcast, but those 14 months felt like 1400 years yeah. and every day, cause would spent my whole life as an entrepreneur, like going, it's five o'clock crap. I could work for 21 hours. And then I <laughs> kept going, like, I would just go to Starbucks and try to think of stuff to do and I didn't have anything to do. And, and I was, I was scared and I was lonely and, and it just created a lot of things. I made some stupid decisions. I, I, I just was a, I was a very lonely, depressed uh, person for, for that period of my life. And while everybody, and the worst part about it was, is everybody was like, you must, you've got a great life. You sold your company, right? You did it. And I'm sitting there going, I probably should be happy, but I'm not. And I probably should be okay, but I'm not. And, uh, that's where I found myself, uh, in the whole journey, um, uh, of starting gravy. And, and honestly, I was so scared to not have something to do that we started, uh, 12 different ideas in 14 months. Mm-hmm. I, I would just like spin up and I mean, I, I started a college women's apparel company. That's how lost nice. I was. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, just trying stuff and figuring it out. And, and I thought my biggest prevailing thought was it's over. My best years are behind me. And um, I think I got lucky. And uh, that, that was just a, it was just a, it was a dark season. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure everybody listening is like, well, I'm glad I joined this sad podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's just refreshing to hear how honest you are about that. But like you said, you know that was a long time that you just breezed through, but there were lots of sure. ups and downs and experiences in there. I yeah. mean, how did you begin to let people in and talk to people about it?
1: Um, well, at first, I, I didn't know what was wrong. I, I thought it was just I didn't have a business to be a part of. Um, but as I started going through, um, uh, heavy, I've got mentors. I've got a lot of really, really good mentors, um, that love me as a person, uh, not just a business owner, but they understand both. Yeah. Uh, and then helping me see like, Hey, like you just came off something like it's just going to take a little bit of time. I mean, you, you know, I read these stories of Richard Branson. It seems like he could start a company and it's the next big thing and everybody's got this magic touch. And, uh, they're saying like, Hey, just be patient. And then, you know, walking with my wife, uh, through deep counseling and restoring relationship and getting focused back on family and realizing that that's what matters. Um, you know, having that. And then honestly, the best people in my life are my friends. Um, uh, through all of this, I've had the best friend I've had lifelong friends. I've got so many amazing uh, people that, uh, care for me and, and, and hopefully I can do the same for them. And, uh, they just walked with me, man. And they just kept meeting with me and kept saying, it's going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. Life's going to, yeah. it's, it's going to come back. And, and uh, w- one thing uh, uh, my pastor, Andy Stanley says is that, you know, you have these big moments in your life that seem like a disaster, but 20 years later, they're just one sentence in your story. And uh, I kept, I kept trying to remind myself and people remind me, Hey, this will be a sentence in your story one day. This isn't your destiny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful.
1: And I mean,
0: what did, what did that give you? You talked about purpose and, and kind of clarity, but what did that give you now in this season where you're kind of back to, you know, really a high point in terms of the business stuff?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the first thing it got me is I'd never understood that I didn't have an intentional plan for my life. Um, and the other thing I didn't understand is, and while I, I, this is sad to say, I mean, gosh, I feel like I'm Debbie Downering the whole show. Right. But I'm just telling you how, how it was Uh huh. my the first I would call the first half of my life, I felt like it was I walked through my life story with a coach over a two day period and and after and his his takeaway was, basically everything you've told me is about you. Your life has been about you. Mm, wow. And that's why you find yourself in this place, though you haven't been just a t- horrible person to everybody and all this kind of stuff, but like you just, you've just, you just been driven, you've been running. And, I've, and I figured out I was trying to prove something to my parents and trying to prove stuff to like my past and all this kind of stuff. And so once I was able to see that, it then helped me create an intentional plan for like, okay, so what am I? What's the intention of my life, and what's the intention of business, and how does business in my personal life disconnect, and how can I play in business but not be defined by it? Well, how can my worth not be in there? And so we created something called owner intent, and owner intent before you start any enterprise is one of the is the it, it's it's missing so much of so many businesses And here's what the owner intent was was. Why am I going to spend my life doing this? Why am I going to show up? What's my intention of showing up every day? And so yeah. I bowled it down when gravy when we started Gravy and said that my intent was to build a world-class organization that my kids would want to work for one day if they so chose to. Um, so that's what my – intent. now, they may not want to or whatever, but the intent was – how would i build it if my kids were going to come say i want to work there what would we do and what would we not do how would we do it different and so it's allowed me to be able to have a more of an objective view on business and be able to create something done well done right instead of something done fast and done with an urgent frenzy that every you know and, and living out of fear so i feel like i'm living uh, with a magnet of vision pulling me to the future, instead of a fear that's pushing me from the backside, and and I love I love having that owner intent clarified. Um, I love then being able to create a mission. So our mission is to return one billion dollars back to to businesses by the end of twenty twenty three. Uh, for what Gravy does, we return money back to businesses and customers back to businesses. To be clear about that, and then to create the core values, the five things, the pillars of how we're going to operate with one another and how we're going to treat our clients and how we're going to treat each other. And then starting from a place of clarity has then allowed us to be able to accelerate because um, I'm not all emotionally tied up in it and I can be more of an objective CEO and not necessarily the visionary crazy guy that's all emotional. Still that, (laughs) but then stay stay focused in what matters the most.
0: Yeah, which is so critical because, yeah, it sounds like something nice on paper, but it really is the difference between a business that's just reacting to what comes at you every day. And like you said, having this intent that is worthwhile and that gives you, it's almost like a compass every day.
1: Yeah, it is. And it doesn't mean that we don't mess up and it doesn't mean that sometimes I don't get emotionally tied back in, but it, but it, it does give you that uh, true north to come back to say, okay, this is what we said, this is what we wrote down and this is why I show up every, like I need to know why I show up every day. And this is gravy is not who I am. Gravy is something I show up and I'm an employee of gravy. I'm an owner, which is a separate hat. And I am an employee. I happen to have the role of CEO and I show up every day and I'm super grateful for people being here. And um, it's allowed us to have an open hand with our people. I tell everybody that everybody's a volunteer. We treat everybody like a volunteer that works for us. And, we, and we're just so grateful that they're here. And so it's one of those things where I used to be so tied to like if people left, they were leaving me and all emotional and scared and all this kind of stuff, but not living out of fear, but living out of a plan toward the future, it allows it to freeze you up in your relationships and it, and, it, and it creates high performing teams.
0: So it sounds like you did a lot of that work for yourself and for the business. Were there any tools or you know, what helped you actually create that intent and create that clarity?
1: Yeah, um, I, w- I would say two specific things. Uh, number one is having a um, an advisory board. So I have an advisory board that I meet with every six months. Um, I actually did a podcast on it um, where there's we have four different people on it. Um, we don't have to get into all the details of it, but basically they're different genres of human beings uh, that can look at my life at, from different angles, uh, and they all know me differently differently and they can help shape the future, right? Because they have clarity. And so and st- autonomy autonomy is a myth. People think I'm, <laughs> I want freedom. Everybody's accountable to somebody. And so I just chose to be accountable to that, that uh, advisory board of people to say, I'm going to put myself under your authority. I'm going to listen to your counsel. I'm going to take your advice and I'm going to implement it. So number one is have an advisory board. Number two is um, investing in um, a very experienced life slash executive coach. Um, not somebody that helps you get better at sales and marketing, not somebody that helps you get better at some strategy, but somebody that helps you get better at you. Yeah. And they are focused on you and they, they, they care about your performance and who you are and not just like an online course. And that's a good place to start, but having a person that I have to show up to every Monday morning at eight o'clock and they're helping me process life. Because I'll go off the rails and they'll bring me back in and, and having that person in my life has been huge. And I would say the number, uh, the, the, the third thing uh, that it would be a bonus is, is um, listen to your spouse um, or, 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 you know, your partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, it's the people that are closer to you. And so uh, my wife's a an labor and delivery nurse. She knows nothing about business and I know nothing about how to deliver a baby. So we don't, right? I, we're in two different equitable. worlds. Yeah, but, but, but I used to discount that from the standpoint of I love her to death, but like, you don't know what we're doing and all this kind of stuff, but she knows me. And to listen to, with hiring, not every decision, but with what are, what's the purpose of this? And hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. This is how big we want to take this thing. This is the intent of this. And to say, how's this going to affect us? How's this going to affect me? And I would say those three things were huge.
0: That's so helpful, and even for listeners who aren't business owners, I think this all applies right absolutely i
1: mean you, I mean good gracious i tell i I even tell our uh, our team I'm like, hey, you need to have a board for your life, you need to have a coach, and you need to have some people around you that are helping you discover what is your purpose life path, career path, because listen, everybody's leaving gravy we're all leaving this company at some point right so decide on what your future is going to be and have a plan for your life instead of living out of fear that I just need to make a paycheck. Right. Yeah. And so whoever's listening is your destiny is not defined by I've got to just go make a living. Your destiny is defined by the decisions that you make to create the life that you want and be super clear. And I call it vivid vision exercise. And I do, I just, I do every three years I do a vivid vision exercise and uh, we can get into that if you want to for anybody's life, but it's so freaking helpful and it just works.
0: Uh, Yeah, and I think it's even it's becoming more and more pertinent. This topic, you're right. I was out in um, Silicon Valley for a while, and in the area I was in, the average tenure for an employee at a company was six to nine months. And they thought the fact that I had been at a company for six years was a problem, you know. And trends move west to east, so I think people are starting to get surprised by how much people move from jobs, and yet like the new loyalty isn't staying at a job forever. It's what you say about that company when you leave and how clear you are on what you're doing. Dude, next. That,
1: that's a great statement. That's a great statement.
0: Well, I think, um, you know, obviously I'm biased as a coach, but I, I love these points. Have a personal advisory board, listen to your spouse or your partner. That's a beautiful one because it's kind of like maybe a l- little not, uh, it's not the most intuitive one. But then the life coach or leadership coach I love what you brought up because I think that word gets misused. People think, well, a coach is someone who's been there, done that, and tells me exactly how to do it. And I would say, well, yeah, that's a great person to have. That's called an advisor or a mentor. But a coach sure. helps you process and help you clarify for yourself. And that is a different thing that's actually has its, a whole own value to, to itself.
1: Yeah. I think why there's so many uh, business owners. That, see, I deal with the Because of this journey, and I'll share it openly, the successful business owners, then I'll have the backstage conversation with them, and they're dealing with this, like, because everything in their life is about, everybody that they learn from and everybody they look up to is all about, how do I grow my business? How do we get better at this? And there's very few that say, they have uh, counselors, uh, mentors, guides, and coaches that are saying, no, 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 how do you get better? Your business can get bigger. And all it's going to do, uh, hey. As my business grew, I started out of fear. My fear just got bigger. <laughs> yeah. All success does is magnify your weaknesses. That's what it does. And so, uh, so if you're if you're going to grow a business, you better be growing with it. And I'm not talking about growing your leadership skills. I'm talking about growing who, your emotional intelligence, who you are as a person, and growing uh, with the business in that way.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're whole people, right? And so you've got your relationships and maybe your marriage, you've got, you know, all kinds of areas of life and they all, they all bleed together. So I think that's really helpful. Um, let's tap back into the story. So you had this period of, of figuring things out and lots of, um, clarity for yourself, lots of insight. Then what happened next to kind of launch into gravy?
1: Yeah, well, the whole time um, I was still seeking what to do. Like I knew I want. I'm an entrepreneur. I've been one since I'm seven years old. Um, I knew I wanted to start a business. I just didn't know what or or I know how. I just didn't know what. I didn't have the idea. And so I got to the point where I literally was googling. Uh, <laughs> I was I was this morning. I sat in the same same spot that I googled. Uh, this was in 2017. I googled. Uh, top business trends for 2018. That's how far down the, the, <laughs> the, the idea pathway I'd gotten. Yeah. And one of the ideas, it said, businesses that make money for other businesses. And when I saw that though, I was like, well, no duh, you know? I mean, <laughs> that's a no duh. But I still, it didn't hit. And then uh-huh. what's what's funny, the serendipitous uh, side of this is that a lady that worked for my old company, the company that bought us, she got fired via email, And just because it was a private equity group and like, they're just corporate and they just let her, I said, we're going to do this process inside. But guess what she did at that business? At my old company, she was the retention specialist on retaining customers of subscription-based payments and all this kind of stuff. And so at the same time, the third rung to that was I was coaching entrepreneurs on the side just because I do not have anything to do and I was helping entrepreneurs with the business. And so I started asking them, hey, what do you? what's your lifetime value of your customer? Hey, what's your retention strategies when people want to leave? Or, or hey, what's your uh, stay bonuses for customers that want out? Like, how do you respond? Is it personal, automated? What does it look like? And they started giving me the blank stare look of like, I have no, or, or like, I think so-and-so does this, or I think we set up some automation and like, it was just this lack of clarity. And so I called two friends and said, hey, can can we just test this thing? And it wasn't even a business at the time. It was just, I wanna test this idea and we'll just split it. Like, and, and the way it works is if we get a, cu- a customer back for you on that first month payment, um, I will keep half and you keep half and then you get to keep the whole lifetime value of the customer. And they looked at me and said, well, sure, you know, just <laughs> right. And uh-huh. so, and so we started doing it. And, and our goal was in the first quarter was just we want to get six companies and just test it. By the end of the first quarter, they all started telling all their business friends, and we were at 13. And then it started really, really uh, ratcheting up. And I went to my next advisory board meeting and said, Hey, here's what I've been working on here's what's happening. And they were like, this is a great idea. Go do it. It's too good to be true is what they said at first. Uh-huh. So what, let's see what happens over the next six months. And uh, over the next six months, we, we came back and we had like 55 customers and the revenue's moving and our team's growing. And then it all started uh, transpiring from there. <laughs> That's
0: so funny. It's so fun though. I mean, so you're talking about businesses that are losing customers and kind of don't have any plan for what to do with it, maybe not even noticing that it happens.
1: Oh, totally. So so they kind of know that uh, they probably should do something about it. But honestly, the entrepreneur in a business from zero to $1 million, the top role of an entrepreneur is, is, is marketing and sales. You got to grow. You got to get customers. You got to grow. Right. And so um, that, that's where it is. But what happens is, is most entrepreneurs, they stay in that till they get into the millions. And then all of a sudden, these, these, these problems creep into their business and they stall out and they don't even know why it's happening. But what, but the reality is, is that they still need to, stay, like, they don't need to fix it. You, there's not enough revenue there to do it. So, yeah. so it's this weird sticky place in business to where we serve companies from over $250,000 in revenue, up to about $30 million in revenue to where, they're just about growth, and we say, "Let us take care of the, the back end of this business." And when we go into it, we show. They'll say, "Oh, we're probably losing X amount of customers." It's always worse than they think, mm-hmm. and they have no idea what's actually happening. Nobody's measuring. There's no metrics associated with it. There's no responsibility with it, and so that's that's you know what we're able to do is come in and, and shine a light. I always say it's like going in your grandmother's basement and, and turning on the light, and there's like, wow, there's there's the cockroaches spread when you put a light on it. Um, so that's what happens when we come in we shine a light on it. Uh, we clean it up and we make it a, a valuable part of their business.
0: I mean, it's, it's fascinating, even exciting to me cause I fall in that bucket too. And I notice that, you know, most of us and and most of the owners I talk to, there's this effect where we're not clear on our purpose and priorities, like you said earlier. So you just operate out of kind of, Fire drill mode every day. It's whatever's totally. most urgent, whatever's most pressing, whoever's yelling the loudest. And that's what you spend all your time doing. And so, of course, something like this that could have a significant impact, it never kind of tops the list of urgency and you just never do anything with it.
1: That's right. And uh, what's funny is uh, the people that the, the reason I even cared about this is that the company that bought our company, the, the previous company, is they approached us two years before we sold. And I went to their boardroom and they were asking me these questions and I didn't have answers for them. Ah. And then they started helping me see, well, the value in your company is the lifetime value of the customer. And I'm sitting here going, no, 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 look at our sales, look at our sales. And they're going, no, 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 Look at the, the value is on the back end of the business. The value is how long they stay and how long they pay and how are you growing your customer base and revenue? How are you growing them in loyalty and value and all this kind of stuff? And so we started fixing that at the rocket company because I wanted to create a valuable company that we could sell. And I just didn't know that, uh, I thought everybody would fix that, uh-huh. but, but people, people just don't. And so that's <laughs> what it created the, the opportunity in the market.
0: Okay, so I'm dying to know, I know you have a four-step process for this. I'm dying to know what are the nuts and bolts? How, how does someone actually start to fix this?
1: Well, we we have uh, we've had over 500,000 Conversations with customers that had a failed payment or were wanting to quit in the last two years, and so these aren't just principles that like I just made up. These are things out of out of having over a half a million conversations. Of, like, what's bubbled up, of, like, how do you, how do you, what are the principles of how do you create what we call sticky customers on the back end? And the first principle is called the mad mom principle. Um, so, my mom um, is awesome. Uh, she's fiery like me. And uh, so, she, uh, she, she, uh, a couple of years ago came over and uh, she'd say, like, hey, you, you know, you don't, we want to call and you need to talk more and we need to have this, all this kind of stuff. I was like, well, mom, you need to text, like, just for small things, let's text back and forth, and all this. And so she had an old flip phone at the time. And, and then she she, she adopted the, the smartphone. And then on the smartphone, uh, she said, I got a smartphone and you haven't been responding to my text. And I said, mom, well, let me see your phone. And, and, and the, the, the long story short was, is that for the month that she had the phone, she'd been texting herself somehow and not me. <laughs> and so what was apparent to me is apparent that you know how to text, right? That's just like that you would figure that out. But what I learned from that is, so she's mad. She's a disgruntled mom with me, right? And it, what the deal was is that for her, it just wasn't easy. There was no easy button to figure out technology for, for her. Yeah. And so what we found inside of businesses is that a lot of business owners, it is apparent to the business owner that when you log in, you click this. When, when you watch, oh, we assume they're going to watch the whole video. We assume that they're going to press this button. We assume because what's apparent to us, what's obvious to us, it should be obvious to them. But what I found is that what's obvious to a business owner has nothing to do with what's obvious to a customer. And so the question is, how do you close the gap and how do you create the easy button and how do you avoid that? So number one is you got to make it easy. And here's the practical way to make it easy for customers is uh, there's there's a software called Full Story. And Full Story, have you heard of that? It allows you to be able to, um, you can watch how people interact with your screen. Like it's recording the screen of sure. what the customer is doing.
0: Like tea leaf kind of, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, so you can see where are they clicking? What are they doing first? And every single time somebody installs another site, they, they think, Oh, I, the, the apparent path was this, but this is what they're doing. Right. And so being able to see inside what the customer's doing, that, that's huge. And the other thing is a practical advice that that we teach companies is uh, we, it's called looking over the shoulder. It's, this is an old school technology thing that was really big in like the eighties and nineties. And what it is, is like, get on a zoom call, with somebody that's not a customer or not in your target market, and they know nothing about your business and let them say, I want you to buy the product. I'm going to watch you buy it. And then I'm going to watch you use it or open it. Like if it's a physical product or whatever. And every about 90, 60, 90, you say, why did you do that? And they say, well, it was because of this, or well, it was because of that. And from that, you're able to get the customer's uh, viewpoint instead of assuming know. So those are two practical things that allow you to make your product more sticky and make it easy.
0: Yeah. And I want to emphasize that because I, I think it could be easy to miss, but there's, there's a whole industry of UX design that's spun up because of this principle you're talking about. It's because software and online tools don't work the way other products for generations have, where you know how it works and you are a user, user yourself. And so like you said, if you create something, you're intimately familiar with how it works, but it's brand new to the customer. And so, yeah, they're going to interact with it in a way that's totally different than how you'd expect. And I think that is a really important um, insight that I think a lot of people in small business miss because it hasn't quite gotten from the corporate realms down to the small business yet.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, hey, here's the second principle. Uh, we, we, it's so fun. we call this the magic moment principle. Okay. And... Um, when I had the previous company called the rocket company and our first course that we ever came out with, we taught pastors how to uh, raise more money in their church without sounding like a TV preacher. Basically that's the the version of how I would say it. And so what's a practical system, all this stuff. So, I had this whole system that we'd used in churches in heavy consulting that worked, absolutely worked. And so my first online course, I was said, Oh, I'm going to put this system out and here's the whole thing and this is how it works. And And, and I knew it worked. Uh huh. But when we started selling people about month three, month four into the membership, people were just leaving. People were unsubscribing from the list, all this kind of stuff. I started calling unsubscribes, which, number one, is a, is a takeaway. People say, oh, don't listen to unsub." No, no, no. Listen to the unsubscribes. Even if they hate you, listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I'm not talking about listening to haters, not just totally haters, but people that just genuinely aren't interested or they're just over whatever you're doing. Listen to them. And I started calling customers that would quit, and I'd be like, hey, so just – I'm not trying to win you back. I just want to know what's happening. They're like, well, it was just so much stuff. Like, Uh you know, it was like, it's good. And I just assume they're going to watch my beautiful coaching videos and all of these success stories of these churches that have done this thing. And then I started calling customers that were staying and I said, well, what are you doing? And I found out that they were actually doing one thing. There were 15 things that I had to do and there was one thing of why they stayed and paid. And that one thing was a literal script that we wrote for them that was the easiest thing for us to pull off. It was a script of how to stand up and talk about the offering that week in church. And literally it was like three paragraphs. <laughs> Here's how you make it unique and fun, right? Here's how you keep people engaged and how you do it in a creative way. Uh huh. We had hundreds, we could write, I could write hundreds of these things like easy. And I started realizing, Oh, and then what we did is rearrange the whole thing to say, Within the first seven days and everything that we do, we're going to build it upon the magic moment. They've got to feel like they get a win and they stay in that win. Now, here's the deal. People that are selling products try to sell this whole like big huge results. All you've got to do is give people, even if it's not a result that gets them the promise of your thing, uh-huh. it gets them a psychological success. And that psychological success keeps them down the pathway. And so my question is, in every business, how can every seven days you provide a magic moment that's a, a win?
0: That's gold right there. I know I've made that mistake a lot of times. And uh, yeah, you're saying simplicity, like people are paying because they're overwhelmed and confused and they're busy. So that simplicity and that quick win.
1: Right. But we're scared that they're not going to get enough value if we don't give them a bunch of stuff. But it's a, it's an opposite is that you want to give them what they want and then over time, teach them what they need. So that's what the philosophy is with customers. Give them what they want and then over time, teach them what they need.
0: So good. All right. So that's some principles and kind of mindset. What about the
1: process? How gravy works is that what we do is we plug into the back of subscription-based businesses. Um, we have a couple of different niches that we're, that we're doing well in right now. One is uh, SaaS companies. We're doing well with uh, SaaS products, uh, doing well with online education, online courses, people, uh, and, and people that pay anywhere from the lowest is about 30 bucks a month is where we can get in. And the highest is we have people, we recover stuff for people at $1,500 a month. And so anywhere in between. So um, what we do is that, that, that we, we plug in. Um, we're actually part, we go through once the company hires us, we're actually part of their team. So we actually encourage them to put us on their organizational chart and give us a role. And our metric is very simple. How many, how many people are leaving or how much money is failing? How many pe- customers do we bring back and how much? How many dollars is that? And what is the percentage uh, recovery rate? And those are the three things that we measure. So we principle number one, we believe in metric-based leadership. And so we put those metrics on us as a company and that's what our metrics are. So when I say we plug in, We literally become part of the team. We become part of their Slack channels. We become part of their communication. And then we act on behalf of the company. We call this brand integrity. So nobody knows Gravy exists. Their customer base. So um, when we reach out on behalf of Amy Porterfield, it's Renee at Amy Porterfield. And um, we actually have them take us through their hiring process so that we get inundated into their culture and who they are and their philosophies. And then we have our onboarding process and then we have agreement on how do you treat customers. What are the rules of engagement? What can you give? What can you not give? What are the bonuses? And so we do all that on the front end. And then we act as if we're an agent, and we have a team of people that act as agents on the back end. We call them retention specialists, and they retain customers every single day from failed payments uh, to um, uh, you know people wanting to quit. Those are two two big things. So that's how it works. Um, we get paid a small monthly management fee just to say, hey, you're going to be serious. You're gonna, That's 20% of a uh, Gravy's revenue. 80% is on success rate of, of retaining customers. So we put the burden of, of delivery on us. Mm-hmm. Side note, marketing firms don't do this on the front end. They'll just take your money and spend it. And if it works, it works, doesn't, it doesn't. We, I, I hated that. Yeah. I always was like, well, they'll just spend our money. And if it doesn't work, they just can leave. I'm like, no, no, no. we're going to take the risk. I'm going to hire the people and we're going to produce. And if we don't produce, then you should get rid of us. They're getting all this money (laughs) that they wouldn't have had. And it's all gravy for them. And so that's why we create um, uh, raving fans and and loyal customers.
0: I love it. I, I just love how you guys approach it all. Okay. So tactically, if someone wants to engage with you, what's their first step?
1: Uh, go to GravySolutions.io and uh, you can talk to Biscuit, who is our uh, chat bot, and it's actually a real person. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so Biscuit's our Biscuits chat bot. Um, a lot of people engage there first, uh, and it's not a it's not a bot. It's actually a person. But we enter, we we do uh, a lot of conversations there. Um, or you just set up book a phone call. So there's a huge thing that says, hey, book a phone call and uh, set up a time. Um, we do not um, we do not take most businesses that we talk to. Uh, because we qualify based on do we have core value alignment? Because not only are we don't need the revenue, right? I mean, I want the revenue, but we don't need the revenue. Uh And so we do core value alignment fit. And through core value alignment fit and creating a financial structure that is a win-win-win for everybody, um, then we move forward uh, in the relationship. But it's a highly relational sales process. Um, It's... We're not like, do this and we get a bonus. There's none of that. It's pretty standard. And uh, it's really uh, people that join with us, they go, this is a lot. Most people, there's not a haggling and all this stuff. It's just a no brainer. It's just like, hey, this is fair. You know, if you win, then we win and, and everybody wins.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's not surprising to me. You're super genuine. Everyone I've interacted with there is awesome. So I know you do speaking engagements. Is there anywhere else if people are inspired by this, want to keep in touch with the things you're thinking about? Anywhere where they can follow you or connect?
1: Yeah, personally, uh, I do all of my content um, on Instagram um, and follow the stories. And and about five days a week, um, I am posting um, actual written content on Instagram for CEOs and business owners and just my thoughts and philosophies on business. Uh, It may not be worth two cents, but I I like to put them there. (laughs) Okay, cool. And so my my Instagram my Instagram name is my name. It's Casey Graham.
0: Here at The Greenhouse Effect, we are big fans of our friends at Belay Solutions. They are a company that provides virtual assistants and bookkeepers and social media managers. We want to give you a taste of what it's like to work with Belay from one of their clients. His name is Dave Richards, the CEO and lead coach for Elite Performance Associates. Belay saved me. When I was focused on growing my business, you know, I can think of
1: recently, um, I was working with a high profile, uh, you know, federal government agency on a conference for them. And it had a lot of moving parts. You know, my VA allowed me to confidently let go of all of those things and just focus solely on preparing content and delivering a high value program to the client. Balay follows up with me, how can I give more this constant prodding of, You know, how do you, how can we help you more? How can we pull more from your plate so that you can do, you know, what you're meant to do and what you're best at.
0: If you resonate with any of this and you want more information, we have partnered with Belay to offer $200 off of your startup costs. And if you want to learn more about that or have a free consultation with a member of the Belay team, just click the link in the show notes or go to belaysolutions.com backslash next step. Casey, I know you mentioned a book recommendation you had was scaling up. Yeah. Just tell us a brief, you know, what is your soundbite on this book?
1: Well, uh, most entrepreneurs believe that you become a CEO by just getting a bunch of sales. It is basically the roadmap on how to transition from entrepreneur to CEO. And the skill sets of, of entrepreneurship are actually very detrimental to companies when they get a certain size. And you've got to transition your leadership to CEO. And they give you the uh, people process and uh, people stuff, uh, process stuff, planning uh, rhythms. uh, How do you set the organization up to where it doesn't depend on you? Those kind of things. And it's just a really, really, really good read.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe. And come on, do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It'll help others find the show too.